here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. All right, Henry, we've, I think, mercifully reached the end. Week 17, one game left in this crap NFL season. Don't have to watch the Patriots offense stumble around and get embarrassed on Monday Night Football again until, I guess, 2021, right? I guess that's the good news. The bad news, and I mean this in in all honesty, is that this is going to be our 18th and final episode of the Patriots Wire podcast, and uh, I'm a little bummed about that. Just say this right off the top, as a lifelong Pats fan, I will miss my weekly venting sessions with you dearly, my man. I mean that 100%. Yeah, I'll miss my ability to be like the sports version of Freud. Sort of like <laughs> the voice of reason in my like, life, Henry. The voice of reason. Yeah, psychoanalyzing your fanaticism. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun, and I hope we can continue in the future. Hopefully it's just the uh, season finale and not the series finale. So we'll, we'll figure that out down the road. But uh, for this game, you know, as we wrap this season up, I mean, this game against the Bills, I've got a lot of family and friends who root for the Bills, and... There's been, there was a lot of trepidation and entering the game. Even Nick Woten of the Bills Wire, Henry, was nervous. He didn't think the Bills could beat Belichick twice. I had people reaching out to me thinking that the uh, the billboard that Bills fans bought would be some bad juju and, and the Patriots would be mad and beat the Bills. But in all honesty, I knew what was coming. I didn't think it would be as bad as it was, but I knew what was coming. I think what we saw is is what's been building here. The Bills are just they're light years ahead of the Patriots right now, and the gap is growing by the week. We've been talking about it. I mean, I think where I'm at right now is just the Pats have a long, long way to go to rebuild this team, and and that's what we're going to be talking about. I mean, the Bills are just, uh, they're on another level right now. They really embarrassed the Pats on Monday Night Football, and I wanted to get your take on not only the game, but seeing some different things like Belichick venting frustration, slamming a phone on the sidelines, stuff you don't normally see with him. You know, usually he's kind of got it all together no matter the situation, no matter if it's high or low, but even he's letting the frustration show. I don't know. I, I want to get your take on what you thought about that whole scene on Monday night. Belichick actually had one episode similar to it, and it was a tablet problem. That <laughs> yes, I saw that on Twitter. It was a nice tweet you had. Yeah, totally memeable activity where he, he like was... <laughs> He was frustrated with the tablet not working, and so he literally he went to the sideline and just chucks the tablet at the ground. <laughs> I remember and he's that, never actually. used the tablet again. He now just uses printout, still frame photos. So now I wonder if he's going to go back to like courier pigeon. He's just never going to use the phone again. He, he still so picks great. that like random piece of paper out of his pocket with a pencil. You know, he still does that, like a like, folded right. up piece of paper, like computer paper. Yeah, he's so ridiculous. He's literally, some intern is going to have to like. <laughs> sprint or Gillette to communicate. No, um, obviously he was displeased with whoever was informing him to challenge that Dawson Knox catch. And I think it was Ernie Adams. I'm pretty sure that's it had what, to be. It had to be Ernie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what Ernie does. One of the many duties um, is decide what to challenge and what not to. So Bill was not pleased. And, you know, I think that's one thing that we we have not seen much from Bill until 2020, or at least 2020's untalented roster or broken roster, whatever you want to call it. It has exacerbated the decision-making problems that this coaching staff has had and some of the undisciplined play that the players have uh, committed, where there are just more mistakes than we're accustomed to seeing this year, whether it's like 
Adam Butler's two encroachment penalties on or, or offsides penalties on one drive. Maddening. Yep, maddening. And then, like, I mean, just that Dawson Knox catch. Like, what are they thinking challenging that? Like, he was clearly in bounds. So, weird. Weird season for Belichick. Weird culmination of just, like, tough decision-making. And so you see it kind of coming to a head there where he's getting embarrassed at home against the Bills who – just don't beat the Patriots at George Stadium. And so, yeah, understandable to see Belichick frustrated in that situation. Yeah, no, and and we were saying it right before we came on here together. I mean, uh, the Patriots have become the punchline. I don't know how you can't be frustrated uh, for you know anyone. I mean, we saw on the on the little graphics ESPN's playing during the game. You know, Belichick going to the door with Tom Brady. I know people had fun with that. The memes of Belichick slamming the phone. I mean, this is what it is. People are laughing at the Patriots' expense. It's amazing how quick that happens, Henry. You know, like they, the fall from grace was sudden here, uh, and it coincides with a certain quarterback heading to Tampa Bay. And boy, has he looked good lately. I was able to watch the game with my dad on Saturday, that Bucks lions game. Oh, boy, does Tom look good at 43. I don't know. I mean, when you think big picture stuff, you look at Cam Newton, you look at Jarrett Stidham. We finally saw some Jarrett Stidham. Didn't look that great, did it? You you kind of uh, you were hinting about that all along. You, there was, there's a reason that Stidham, we haven't seen Stidham, and I think we saw a little bit of it on uh, on Monday night. The quarterback play has been absolutely terrible. And it just makes you wonder, like, why didn't they just pay Brady? You know, it was it was it just because it was, you know, 20 years and that was long enough. Two decades is long enough. And you, you watch the way Brady's playing. He's leading that team, that freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise. He's turned that thing around and got them heading to the playoffs. And here we are getting just absolutely crushed by the Bills on national TV and kind of going out with a whimper. Makes you wonder. Makes you go back to that decision where Bel- Belichick's kind of sticking it to Brady at the negotiating table, and you're just like, man, what if they just did whatever Brady wanted and gave him his money? And what if he was still here? I don't know, Not because there's still no succession plan, and the rebuild is barely started. I mean, I don't know what kind of progress they've made in the rebuild right now. I don't know. Do you feel a certain way watching Brady the way he's been playing, especially the last six uh, or the last four quarters, that second half against the Falcons and that first half against the Lions? So I, I kind of wonder, would it really have been that different with Brady? I mean, he's playing well throwing to Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray, and O.J. Howard, and Scotty Miller. And, I mean, the weapons on that team are just preposterous. And the <laughs> offensive line is good, too. Well, so, you don't think Jacoby Myers can hold uh, Chris Godwin's jock, huh? Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Jacoby Myers is like that. Absolute light version. He's the Michelob Ultra of <laughs> Chris Godwin. But I, I mean, we saw Brady in this offense last year, and it didn't look good. I mean, it got it got worse and worse over the course of the season until the playoffs, where they where they ultimately they couldn't beat the Titans. So I don't know if it's sort of like crazy to think that you know I think they maybe get like one or two more wins in such an unpredictable season. It's hard to know. You know, would would COVID have impacted them if Brady were there? Impossible to know. But yeah, like the butterfly think, effect I, thing. You know, like who knows? Right. We, yeah, we so like because that definitely disrupted the season. But yeah, I don't know. I think maybe they maybe they win two more games. But like, let's say they lose this week, which honestly I think they might. That's so. So then they're more. Oh like, yeah, I think they're going to lose to the Jets. There's no doubt right. about it in my mind. So then they're eight and eight, and that's that's not good enough to make the playoffs this year. So like, what difference does it make? They have a worse draft position. They probably had to guarantee Brady 
50 million over two years. So they're in a bad situation for the cap next year. I don't know. I don't know that the decision that they made was the wrong one. It, it almost feels like the right one still to me, at least with Brady. Now, whether they should have or could have signed someone like Jameis Winston, that might have made more sense than Cam Newton because we're seeing Cam Newton not have enough physical tools to get it done in a passing offense. Would it have been different with Jameis Winston? I don't know. But the Brady thing, I don't know. The money and the quality of play that he provided, I just don't see that working well in 2020. See, this is what I'm talking about. You know, On Saturday, I was wearing my TB12 hat, my TB12 sweatshirt, watching, <laughs> watching the uh, Bucks beat the Lions, and I was you know, crying in my bowl of chowder. You know what I mean? And, and here you are just you're telling me that you know, the Patriots made the right decision. So this is, this is why it works between us. And this is what I yeah, need. This is what I need. So, I don't know. This conversation is so ungrateful. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do going forward. But I, I do want to <laughs> let, let's continue the situation. You just hit on Cam Newton. He really struggled again. It makes you wonder. I, I think all along we've expected bill and cam to keep their marriage into 2021 and maybe beyond but you have to wonder now he's played so poorly here over the last few weeks that you gotta wonder let's pick this conversation up on the other side we'll be right back fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends sit him start him these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends at a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for week 17 of the fantasy football season. This week, I'm not crazy about any of the quarterback plays. I usually recommend fringe options rather than the obvious, and none of the guys jump out as somebody I'm really willing to get behind. So instead, you'll get a two-pack of wide receivers this week. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Chicago Bears. May seem like a no-brainer after he ripped off 124 yards and two scores in week 16, but the Boston College rookie could have a bigger workload again this week. Running back Jamal Williams had a quadriceps injury, and he was out last week. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense to rush him, especially if they want him back for the playoff push. The big body Dylan is an ideal asset in cold weather in late season football. And starting running back Aaron Jones is banged up as well. Chicago has given up four rushing touchdowns in the last five games. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal. In consecutive games, Pascal has had at least 64 yards and one or more touchdowns. He has six targets apiece in those games. The resurgence of wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has helped tremendously. Something else that will help? Facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's more or less a modern miracle that the Chicago Bears didn't find the end zone last week. In the prior six games, wide receivers have scored nine times through the air and nine different times the wide receivers produced at least 15.8 PPR points in that window. Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin is looking unlikely to play again, which would thrust wide receiver Cam Sims into a prominent role. With all the chips at stake, it's hard to imagine Riverboat Ron Rivera wouldn't gamble on seeing what he has in Alex Smith even if he's less than 100%, considering Taylor Heineke is the only other option. Philadelphia has been atrocious against wide receivers in 2020, and the position has racked up five performance of at least 121 yards in the last six outings. Nine touchdowns later, Philadelphia gives Sims a favorable opponent for utilizing his six foot five frame. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Nick Kaiser against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs are going to rest all of their prominent starters, which means tight end Travis Kelsey won't play much, if at all. That leaves Kaiser to exploit a tremendous matchup. Five players have at least 11.2 PPR points in the last nine games against the Chargers, and six of the ten touchdowns allowed have come in the past nine games. For more award-winning content from TheHuddle.com, be sure to check out the website throughout the offseason as we get you prepared for Fantasy Football 2021. So, Henry, when we watch Cam Newton go out there, get benched again during the game for Jarrett Stidham, go out there and again struggle to even throw for 40 yards in this ballgame. 
throws for less than 40 yards. Just could, you know, when you got Cam Newton out there, you just can't, you can't win a game against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes or maybe even Ben Roethlisberger. I'm, I'm thinking ahead now to 2021. Like, if this is your quarterback, if this is your offense, how are you going to compete with these you know, top-tier quarterbacks. You're just not going to be able to do it in the modern-day NFL. they got to get somebody who could throw the forward pass. we we got to figure that thing out. And I'm starting to wonder now, and I want to get your take on this, is it time to move on from Stidham, move on from Newton, and try to bring in some type of bridge quarterback and then try to draft the next guy, right? So get a bridge quarterback like, and I'm, I'm really excited about this one. i, I got to get your take on it. What about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Can we get him in here for a year? That is the bridge quarterback that I'm here for. Boy, that would be a fun season, an interesting season. He's a wild man. He's played on every other AFC East team. He might as well play for the Patriots too, right? Let's go get a Ryan Fitzpatrick and draft the next guy and just have some fun. Roll it out there in 2021 and have some fun on the offensive side. But, you know, there's other free agents that they could go after as well. I think Phillip Rivers would be a free agent, though I'm, I'm not high on him. Jacoby Brissett, we've talked about him earlier this season. I'm actually pretty interested in him if Josh McDaniels were to stick around. Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, there's some guys that are going to be available. Do the Patriots want to go get one? I think if they could go get Ryan Fitzpatrick, that'd be really fun. What do you think about that? If you're going to go Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who, like you said, sort of a wild man. Uh, wild careless. man. Wild man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> if he's careless with the football, then you might as well get Jameis Winston. I mean, he's the true wild man. Yeah. Jameis Winston. Okay, so let's look at Fitzpatrick's last few seasons. Going back to 2018 in Tampa, Fitzpatrick had a 17-12 to 12 touchdown ratio obviously playing on uh, not the whole season. 2019 in Miami, he had 20 to 13 interception ratio. And then this year, splitting time with Tua, 13 touchdowns, 8 to 8 interception ratio. But, like, let's talk about James Winston. Because, if we're like we said, if we're going for the crazy wild man who, like, is just going to gun the ball, he had 33 touchdowns and 5,100 yards in 2019. Yeah. Also threw 30 interceptions, led the league. Uh, <laughs> side note. Great. That's just a side note. Not that, does, that doesn't fit our agenda. You, Keep going. If you walk it backwards and you see a 19 to 14 touchdown in ratio in 2018, 2017, it's 19 to 11, 2016, it's 28 to 18. So, like, in my mind, Jameis is actually the same human as, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, but younger. And cheaper, in my opinion. So, if the wild man's what you want, then the the wild man that I'll give you is is Jameis. But you know the Patriots don't want a wild man. Yeah, not, I know. But it's it, not their cup of tea. But a wild man uh, would be more fun than what we have to watch right now, Henry. That's that's absolutely. kind of my point. As as, as a stupid fan, you know that's that's what I'm. That's what that's what all I'm coming. I'm coming to the table as usual as a uh, irrational <laughs> fan. No, but I, I mean, I've heard a lot of people suggesting Fitzpatrick, and um, I don't know. He, he, I think he just, I mean, maybe he'd take the veteran minimum for the Patriots just so that he could, like, play there, but he, somehow he always manages to get, like, I don't know, what is he playing for this year, like $7 million or something? I can pull it off. But, yeah, that's seven um, times more than Jameis Winston. You, you mentioned him getting him cheap. I mean, he's making less than Newton. Yeah, exactly. Newton and, and Winston have the same contract, but... Newton has all the incentives that'll get him up to uh, get him up to about four million this year. Yeah, so yeah, Fitzpatrick yeah. is finishing up a two-year, eleven million dollar deal where this year he's playing for eight million in base salary. So not saying he's going to get that at all next year, but uh, that's what he's working with now. 
my what I'm kind of getting back to is, look, you taught Cam Newton the system this year, and you gave him nobody, zero people to help him, as you said, throw the forward pass. So <laughs> you come back to the table next year, you draft Kyle Pitts out of Florida, the best tight end in the draft. You sign Corey Davis from Tennessee, and you sign Curtis Samuel from Carolina. And then you're like basically out of cap space. <laughs> but, <laughs> but all of a sudden, you have a proficient passing offense. And you could draft a guy like Jamie Newman, the guy out of Wake Forest who transferred to Georgia. That guy might be there in like the third or fourth round with one of those compensatory picks. That, to me, sounds like an interesting recipe where Cam Newton gets a chance to succeed uh, with a better supporting cast and you have someone to compete with Jared Stidham, if Stidham is even relevant at this point, for the job. You know, I'd like to see them take a quarterback in the first or the second round, but realistically, I just I just don't think they see value for quarterbacks in the first round, especially where, you know, those those guys that would normally be like a 32nd overall pick, like I'm thinking of even like Trey Lance or Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, these are all college quarterbacks that fans probably have no idea who they are, but they'll come to learn their names probably pretty well over the next few months. Yep. All those guys are being talked about as first-round picks, but that's just like them moving up the board. Like You can't really actually justify from a talent standpoint them being more talented than other players available. So the Patriots tend to try and take the best player available, and that never happens in the first round. So they'd have to kind of like go off their board to get a quarterback in the first round. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I have, I just have a hard time seeing him do that. So that's why I think if Cam Newton one more year where he's going to make like no money, another incentive laden, you know, million dollar deal. And I don't think he's going to get a better offer unless Washington gives him a call with Ron Rivera there. Ron Rivera and Newton work together in Carolina mm. So that's the one place I think he might go. But otherwise, if that's not there for him, if Washington takes another quarterback in the first round, then he might as well stay with the Patriots who have been good to him. Well, with the exception of the no help thing, but they've been good to him like with sort of like sticking with him and, and supporting him like verbally. And then they can finally support him with personnel. So I don't know. I, maybe that's sort of too idealistic to think that Cam Newton will be better next year, but for some reason I can see it happening where it gives them a little more time to invest, like not quite a first round pick in a quarterback. Maybe they end up sinking a first rounder in 2022. If the, you know, the third rounder in 2021 doesn't pan out. Yeah. It's an interesting situation. I think, uh, I think the favorite is still cam back with the Patriots, as you're saying, Henry, I mean, it's either the Patriots or Cam's probably going to retire. I, I, there's, he's definitely not building a market for himself. So if Belichick wants to go in the next year and not spend a lot of money at the quarterback position, bringing Cam back would would be a good decision. So we'll see. That's that's going to be an interesting one. We'll see how it pans out. Me personally, I don't want to see the same exact offense next year. So if Cam's the quarterback, they better figure out how to put guys around him. But how are they going to do that? Well, let's look at the 2021 free agent class a little bit. Who the Patriots have who they might move on from, who should they target of their own free agents. I want to get Henry's take on that. We'll do it in our final segment coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. 
the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Flippin' Podcast, joined as always by Jeff Clark, here to break down everything you need to know to bet on the Week 17 Sunday Night Football game between the Washington football team and Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point home underdogs. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Washington come in one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're looking for a win to secure an NFC East title and a playoff berth. But, Jeff, I got to go with the Eagles. I like what we've seen from J1 Hurts. we got quarterback issues in Washington, a lot of other issues as well. J1 Hurts can improve that Eagles team from that loss they took against Washington in Week 1. Yeah, as much as I like to disagree with you, I can here. I'm also on the Eagles plus one and a half. Their team's trending up despite a disappointing 2020 season. Now they turn the keys of the offense over to Jalen Hurts. And you know what they say, misery likes company. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles have been miserable for most this year since being eliminated from playoff contention. Now they get the end Washington season. I think that's motivation enough for them to come and rain on Washington's possible parade on Sunday night football. So give me the Eagles plus one and a half. You can get Philadelphia plus 100 on the money line as well for a little better value. Go ahead and parlay that with the under 42 and a half minus 105 odds there. So be a low scoring game won by the Eagles. So after the game, Henry, Jason McCourty came out, said he expects big changes. He might be one of the big changes. Can't see him coming back. (laughs) He's one of the Patriots free agents. Uh, I know they got Joe Tooney, who was on the tag this year. He's probably their highest-priced free agent. Can't see him sticking around. And you get some other interesting names on this list. James White, Lawrence Guy, David Andrews, Adam Butler. We've talked about Cam Newton and nauseam. J.C. Jackson, your guy J.C. Jackson, who wagged the finger at, uh, at Stephon Diggs, gave, gave him a little crap, and that didn't work out too well for him on Monday night, did it, Henry? That wasn't a good idea. Don't poke the bear, J.C. Jackson. Don't do that, and you'll learn. Uh, so... But what do you think about this when you look at the Patriots' list of free agents for this offseason? Who do you think they absolutely have to bring back, and uh, who do you think they're just going to move on from? Who should they absolutely bring back? I Maybe like Nick Folk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mention him. I, I like, yes. He, he's Nick actually Folk kicking is, it well. Yeah, Nick Folk's been good. Lawrence Guy's been yeah. a kind of a key part of the defense, I felt. Yeah, Lawrence Guy, I wonder whether – so the reason why they, they loved having him was because – they got him for such a reasonable deal, and everybody's now wised up to the fact that he's actually really good. So I wonder what the money will be like for him on, on the market. I think they'll retain J.C. Jackson with either a first or a second-round tender. Miles Bryant, they should keep around. He's a rookie free agent. They'll just they'll just put him on a future deal, I think, or, or sign him to a small deal. I would like to see them bring back Justin Bethel, core special teams player, Cody Davis, core special teams player. Jermaine Illuminor might not be a bad player to retain for interior depth. Adam Butler is a guy I think they're going to reward for his really good work in the interior and his development, Uh, not just to be a situational pass rusher, but but to also do some more things. I want to say as a run defender, but the run defense has been so putrid that I don't know if I can really back that up. But True. I just like, you know, he's done everything the right way for them. I think he could probably strike a deal that's that's right for both the Patriots and for him. But, like, 
I could see James White being gone. I could see Jason McCourty being gone. I could see Joe Tooney being gone. David Andrews, Andrews is one of those guys I'm kind of right on the middle. We just have to see how his market materializes because I think they're going to want to keep him. But center is one of those positions where like, he was an undrafted free agent. Like, I think the Patriots think they could probably replace him, whether with you know mid-round draft pick or you know even James Ferentz is like, serviceable. And they have some depth in the interior of that offensive line. I guess I, I want to say with... Awenu and, and Justin Herod, but those guys probably would, wouldn't play center. But so yeah, I mean they've got a big list of players to deal with. They've got uh, a few tough decisions. Obviously, Cam Newton being a, a tough one. Dietrich Twise is probably a tough one. But yeah, I mean they tend to like take care of their own because it's getting to the point where like most teams don't actually like want those like those like semi talented you know middle class free agents. Because everybody knows that the Patriots make them look better than they are. <laughs> True. Uh, Lawrence Guy might kind of be one of them. So the positions that they really need to strengthen are we talked about, you know, receiver and tight end, but then defensive tackle and linebacker. So can they really like spend big on Butler and Guy? And then also they need to bring in a new guy. I mean, they have Bo Allen who I think will actually contribute next year as opposed to spending all year on IR like this year. But who else? Who else can they add to make that interior better? We'll all be laughing at ourselves when Belichick picks some defensive tackle at like ninth overall this year. <laughs> but they they really do need to do something at linebacker. So, and they don't really have anyone leaving. So I could see that being the position that they circled this offseason. Yeah, no, you watch it. All these positions that we're highlighting of positions of need, uh, Belichick will pick a different position for his not, his first round pick in 2021. You can mark that one down. You know that's going to come. So an- another question I think is interesting, Henry, Josh McDaniels and his future. Every year we, we wonder if he's going to finally move on for the Patriots. Even when he uh, seems to accept jobs, he comes back. Over the last few years, we've seen that. But I, I read your article on Patriots Wire about possibly Adam Gase joining Belichick's staff, and there's no doubt about it. There is a love fest there between Belichick and Gase, and you know how I feel about the Jets. I'm not a big Adam Gase fan at, at all, so I don't know how I would feel about Adam Gase calling my offense next year if that's how it all shook out, if McDaniel's got a job elsewhere and Adam freaking Gase came in. I don't know if I'd love that, but what do you think about McDaniel's and possibly replacing the offensive coordinator? I don't think they would put – Gase into an offensive coordinator role. In okay, good. That makes me feel better. Yeah. They very rarely hire someone to a coordinator job when that person hasn't had any experience in the system. So like every other NFL team does, the Patriots don't do that. <laughs> they don't. No, they don't plug in play call. It's probably a good uh, idea. Right. But they, I could see them putting him on a position, especially if one of the position coaches get promoted offensive coordinator I honestly have no idea who would go to coordinator this year me either I don't don't know if I like the prospect of like Adam Gase coaching up a young quarterback we've already seen what he did to Sam Darnold (laughs) like I just don't know if I don't know if I want this in my life right I mean the same thing probably could be said for for like Jed Fish who like really hasn't developed quarterbacks but he ended up in the role this year but anyway, I could see them just having to be like a quality control coach for a year and move up and gain familiarity with their system. Uh, as for McDaniels leaving, 
I think his stock is kind of low right now. Like, I don't think people look at this offense and say, wow, Josh McDaniels <laughs> did a lot. I want that. I want that offense. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He did, like, absolutely nothing with absolutely nothing. So it's like, yeah, like kind of a wash of the year for him. I think if you're a smart general manager, you're waiting until what McDaniels does next year to see if you really want to hire him. And McDaniels is also very choosy about what jobs he does and doesn't want. So unless McDaniels lowers his quality, his like standard for what kind of job he'd take, which I don't think he'll do because he knows this is his last spin, I think McDaniels is going to be very discerning about which job he takes. And that means he's probably not going to get it this year because he doesn't look as good of a candidate as, say, Brian Dayball, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Maybe like I don't. I haven't looked at who might come out of the college ranks this year, but I'm sure there are a few hot names. Like Lincoln Riley is the one that they always throw around from Oklahoma. I don't know that he's even that hot this year with Oklahoma not mm. being as good. And even Urban Meyer, you never know his name kind of gets yeah, thrown around. Exactly. So who the heck knows might come up from college? But yeah, basically, I don't think that McDaniel's looks like the offensive genius that people hope he will be if they hire him as a head coach. So. Not the right year for the Daniels to make the move in my mind, so I don't think the Patriots will worry about replacing him. <laughs> that's a really good point. And do you think uh, McDaniels is kind of still waiting in the wings for Belichick's job, or do you think that's been overplayed over the years? No, I think that's actually probably accurate because mm-hmm. it's going to be a good job when he gets it, I think. Like if Nick Casario is still there, then McDaniels and and Casario will have like a good working relationship, which is so important to head coaches that their general manager, who's technically their boss, you know, trusts them and, and and will be supportive of them and basically not fire them right away. So I think that's why McDaniels is so discerning. He knows that if he waits long enough, he'll probably get this Patriots job and he doesn't really have to rush into a job like New York or what else like Detroit like situations that are that are looking at a rebuild he doesn't have to go into that if he doesn't want to he could look for like a Jacksonville which is more of like a home run and now he's not going to get the Jacksonville job but if he doesn't he can just wait for the Patriots job to open up so I think that's probably why he feels so emboldened to just be picky uh is because he's got he's got a good one playing for him well, I'll say this. I don't think the Lions are coming to uh, Belichick's staff for another coach anytime soon after that Patricia debacle. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, all right. So, so much interesting stuff there, Henry. There's a lot to chew on with this team. And, and you know, like we talked about in the first segment, I mean, the, the rebuild is – they got a long way to go. they got a lot of positions they got to shore up, especially on offense. And this is not going to be a quick fix and – We'll see. I think in this game against the Jets, we could find out that the Patriots could really end the season with losses to the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets, and then miss the playoffs. I don't think that's I don't think that's ever happened in my lifetime. Maybe in the '90s, certainly not any time in the last couple decades. So it's a weird time to be a Patriots fan. Very different. Very very different. But I guess uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna have to call my mom next week, Henry, when I have a when I'm having a bad day about the Patriots when they <laughs> lose to the Jets. No, I'll, I, maybe I could still call you. We just don't have to hit the record button. I'll still call you and have you talk to me for half an hour. Say, you can call me, but we just won't we won't record it and publish it. <laughs> oh man! Hey, in all seriousness, man, the uh, the show this year was a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate all the knowledge and energy you brought to the show all year, man. Yeah, likewise, likewise. 
it's way more fun when we're rational and enjoying sports in a in a non-intellectual way all the time. So I appreciate that you can push me to not be too analytically minded <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and I'm always glad to uh, yeah, that, have a little balance on the show. It's been nice. Yeah, it was good. You definitely you definitely balanced me out. There's no doubt about that. And it was uh, it was much <laughs> needed. I mean, the other shows I'm doing, uh, I, I'm not a fan of the team. So this is this is a little different. And uh, I'm glad it was I'm glad it was you I was working with. So. With that, we'll wrap up the Patriots Wire podcast. Thanks for everyone for joining us this season. And Henry, Happy New Year to you, my man. Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. May 2021 be at least good as opposed to whatever 2020 was, which was probably not good. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.